Welcome to Park Community Church of Norwood Park. We exist to know God and make him known on the northwest side of Chicago. Join us at Tav High School every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We're glad you're listening in, and we hope that this message encourages you. Church family, for those of you who I have not had the honor to meet yet, let me introduce myself. My name is Bretton Smith. I'm the pastor here at a Norwood Park location of Park Community Church. And I'm really thrilled that you're watching this video with us. We've been going through the Beatitudes for the last few weeks. Man, it is so incredible to see what the kingdom of God looks like, what it looks like for followers of Jesus to actually live in a way that's pleasing to him. So I'm glad you're joining with us today. Hey, before we jump into Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, I want to just give you guys maybe a thought to be able to ponder just for a few moments, all right? What if, as a church, instead of feeling the limits that we feel our government, whether it's the governor or our mayor, is putting on our life, what if we think about it this way? What is God doing? I mean, think about it. The mayor and, and the governors of all the different states, this is the first time they've had to confront some kind of huge world crisis like this. Of course they're going to mess up. Of course they're going to make wrong decisions. But who is the one that's actually in control of this whole thing? God. God can do incredible things through this season in your life, and God can do incredible things in the world. And so let us put that in, in our minds. What is God trying to do through this? All right, let's jump into Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. But before then, I actually want to read the whole passage because it's so good for us to be in God's Word. And as you look for Matthew chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 1, I want to just give you guys a little bit of, of kind of summary. For the last few weeks, we've looked at that, that God is saying, that Jesus is saying that blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And today we're going to look at blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Man, this is an upside down kind of kingdom. Let's go ahead and jump in to Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And this is what it says. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he had sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. See, what Matthew is trying to do, Matthew is trying to paint a picture, paint a picture for his Jewish audience. He's kind of putting here Moses, and he's showing that, that Jesus is actually better and greater than Moses. He's, he's comparing the two. Jesus is the new Moses. I mean, after all, Moses went up the mountain. Jesus went up the mountain. 
Moses received the Ten Commandments from God. Jesus is delivering the Beatitudes, instructions for God's people as well. Moses, is his Ten Commandments that he receives are laid out for the people to do what God wants for them to do. And actually you see that the first four are this, this vertical relationship with God and the last six in the Ten Commandments are this horizontal relationship with other people. Well, Matthew here is writing Jesus' words and it's the same thing. Four are pointed up to God in this vertical relationship. Now, just as a side note, did you know that all the first four of these, so we're, today we're looking at the last one of these set of four, they start with the same letter. There's an alliteration that's happening in the Greek text here. They all start with pi, with the letter pi, which is our, our P word, our, our, our P letter. And, and so here we are, they're starting this up, and, and, and Matthew is writing, showing that Jesus is the greater Moses. But, but hold on, there's more to this story, because just as Israel was wandering through a wilderness, as followers of Christ, we are wandering through a wilderness as well until the day when we reach the promised land. But also, the Israelites hungered and thirst. And they saw God provide for them. And right here we see this. The words of Jesus, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And like I've said in week before, I can't boil it down any more than just what Jesus has already said. And so that's my big idea. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall, they shall be satisfied. That's what we're going to be looking at today. And actually going to, going to divide it up into three different terms for us to see. The first one is hunger and thirst. That's the first term. Second one, we're going to be looking at uh, what is righteousness. And then the last one we're going to be looking at is what does it mean to be satisfied? So these are the three terms that we're going to look at. So let me go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump into the first term. All right. God, I pray that this morning as we speak, as we talk, as we look at God's word, as we look at this beatitude, would your spirit be stirring in our lives, God? We want to be people that are hungry hungry for your righteousness, hungry for what you want to be standing in this world. Oh God, would we not be satisfied with other things around us? Would we be satisfied as we look into your word? So we ask that your spirit would speak to us this morning. In your name we pray, amen. All right, let's go ahead and look at the first one. Hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst. See, you and I were made to hunger. It's, it's normal, but, but it's also a gift. I mean, think about it. If you did not have hunger, if you did not have thirst, you would be walking around through life always having to set timers to remember to eat. Now, some of you might have to do that, but for the rest of us, we have to, to just feel our bodies showing us what it is that's happening in us. We are hungry and thirsty. In fact, I've heard that nearing the end of life for many people, hunger and thirst is something that's gone. They stop desiring to eat. And we know that that's not good for them. And so medical experts and nurses and families gather around and encourage them to eat a meal. We cook things for them that we know they like, that they would just be able to get some nourishment into their bodies. Hunger and thirst is a gift. It's a gift that's given to us. 
When I think about hunger and thirst, I, I think about our first world hunger. It's kind of like you've skipped a meal, you've missed breakfast, and, and now lunch is coming up, and you're, you're saying, man, I am so hungry. But in first world, in the first world, uh, hunger, we always know that a meal is coming. And actually, our greatest question is, what is my hunger and my thirst going to be satisfied with? What is it that I'm actually going to be able to take? I mean, it could be Italian, it could be Mexican, man, it could be nowadays curbside or drive-through. There's all kinds of different options that we still have. And if that weren't enough, we start to ask the question, what if we combined things like, like fusion, like, like Korean tacos? Yes, it's a real thing. Take a look at this picture. Korean tacos, let me just tell you that as I was looking for this picture, I started to become really hungry. Because don't those look so good? It's taking two great meals and putting them together. So, so we really live in this hunger and thirst as a first nation, but for the audience that Jesus was writing to and for the Israelites as they were going through the wilderness, their hunger and their thirst was life-threatening. It was something that they wanted to avoid. It was something that a king or a leader was going to provide for them, that they would not be hungry anymore. That's how leaders would rise into power for those that could provide for the people that they were caring for. And so Jesus is here turning this all upside down and saying, blessed are those who are hungry. Blessed are those who are thirsty. You can't ignore hunger. Oh man, when you're hungry, that's all you can think about. You can't concentrate. You got to get a snack in yourself. You can't think straight. You can't become as productive as you would like to be when you're hungry. But here we see that, that actually hunger is pointing to something deeper. Hunger and, and especially combined with the word thirst is showing that it's leading us to Desire, desire fed by pain, the painful lack of having what it is that you desire. It's desire. It's desire. So for, let me ask you this question. What are you hungry for? What do you crave? What do you desire above everything else? What are you hungry for? And here's a few points for you. What you desire will ultimately receive your worship. Oh, you might think it's all good right now, but as you put your life all around that desire, when you build everything around it, pretty soon that starts to become a stronghold and that becomes what you worship. Also think about this. You, what you consume will either help you grow and thrive or it's going to stunt your growth. It's either going to help you continue to be strong and fit. It's going to take away what you need. It's what we call functional starving when you eat the wrong food. It's what experts call hidden hunger, that you're getting your belly full, but, but besides that, you're not getting the nutrients that you need. You're not getting all the calories that your body needs. That is hidden hunger that's happening right here. See, we can fill our lives with all the wrong things. 
And that's why, the, that's why Paul writes in Philippians 4.8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Because he knows that all of us are going to run to the opposite of these things. Whatsoever is broken and crumbling, whatsoever is dirty and whatsoever is not healthy for you. There are so many of these things in our lives. But you might say, you know what, but, but I already am a follower of Christ. I, I've turned my back on those things. Well, then here's a word from you out of Hebrews chapter 5. And this is what it says in verses 13 and 14. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, which is fine. If you're a new believer, oh, you should be drinking the milk to bring some skill in your life. But if you've been a follower of Christ for a long time and you keep on drinking milk, here's the next verse for you, verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Oh, what you eat, are you eating milk or are you eating solid food? As a follower of Christ, what you eat is either going to help you or it's going to stunt your growth. This is what we need. We need to loosen the grip of this hunger for the world. We need to open our eyes to our spiritual hunger. We need to open our eyes to our spiritual needs. And so one of the things that we're going to be doing as a church is we're going to come together this coming Wednesday, Wednesday, May 20th, for a time of prayer and fasting. For a time to be able to come before God in prayer. Actually, the whole day I would encourage you to set the day apart, but then in the evening, we're going to come together, we're going to worship, we're going to pray, and then we're going to break our fast together by taking communion. Oh, I want to invite you to be a part of that day, whether it's the full day, whether you, whether you, you fast for the full day, or, or whether you just come and say, I'm going to skip dinner, and then I'm going to engage in this. I would love for you to join us on that call. So we need to turn our eyes from this worldly appetite and see our needs from a spiritual place. So we hunger and we thirst And the next term is righteousness. Jesus talks about a very particular hunger and thirst. It's this thirst for righteousness. Righteousness. We hunger and we thirst because we don't have it yet. It doesn't exist in our lives. We long for it because right living does not exist in here, in me. It's not just my observations of the world around me, and we're going to get to that, but it's also how there is not righteousness that lives in my life. Because we all are tempted to live in our own righteousness. We want to live in what we think is best for us. And so we put all these right standards around us and we think that that's the right way for me to live. And we justify ourselves and say, no, 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 I got this thing. But the problem is that we've invented this thing. And so, of course, we're going to win the game in which we invented We can only live by the standard, by the righteousness that God has given to us. When I look at Matthew, 
Uh, Matthew, the term for righteousness, actually appears in a few places. So let's take a look really quick. The righteousness that God is talking about, the righteousness that God puts before us in Jesus' words. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, your righteousness has got to be greater than theirs. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Oh, your righteousness needs to be in secret. Because it's not about a game about what people see and how much praises they give you. It's about what God is doing in your life and so you can live righteously so that people, so that people aren't just seeing you and worshiping you. The other thing that's so interesting about this idea of being seen and actually right after the Beatitudes, Jesus talks about us being the salt and being light of the world. And he says that a, that a, that a, that a city's on a hill, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, that the light shining from the city is going to be so bright so people will see you. They're going to observe it. it they can't help it. But don't live your righteousness out in order to show off is the idea beside don't show off your righteousness. Here's the thing. Every single one of us is tempted to snack. Every single one of us is tempted to eat junk food. See, as we work through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, we see this type of junk food that all of us are prone to latch on to. Our junk food is thinking that we can make things right by our anger or we can make things uh, that we can that we can stay clear of living in the right way just because we aren't having sex with everybody around us but 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 here here Jesus is turning this around and saying wait 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 it's not about your anger it's not about murder it's about it's about your anger it's not about about sleeping around it's about the lust that's in your heart it's not about uh, getting even with people Oh, he starts to put this out for every single one of us. But we like to snack on these things and think that we can grow powerful and stronger because we have these things in our life. He's saying, no, 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 no. This is my kingdom. And this is how you live in my kingdom. Don't snack. Don't eat junk food in my kingdom. This season, the longer it has gone on, probably has revealed some of the junk food in your life. What you thought was just something in your past, what you thought was just a temptation now, is actually turning into a bigger problem the longer this goes on. Your quick one, two outbursts with your kids as they weren't doing school is now turning into the daily routine. The drinks that you thought you just had on the weekend are now a daily thing. Your trust of the market and seeing that dropping you start to realize i'm depending on something that's just a snack that was never intended to help me grow that put in the right place is actually okay to have financial provision but when it's elevated to be the main thing it starts to break apart this season is a great revealer for every single one of us because there's special ways in which we like to sin, in which we like to snack. But here is a very particular kind of food that Jesus is saying that we should hunger for, hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
So we long for it because it's not in us, but we also long for it because of what's out there. There's not right living out there. The world is is lacking a righteousness that comes with Jesus, and we want to call that justice because the word righteousness itself carries this template or this idea of right of, of justice. And actually, Paul takes us to the courtroom. Paul takes us before the judge with this word righteousness. But but here Jesus is actually showing that there's still a righteousness in the world that does not exist. And so we hunger and we thirst for justice. We live in a world where justice is broken. We live in a world where it's lacking. This is a dark place. From sexism to racism, to human slavery, to child abuse, to pay inequality, all types of things that are just wrong in this world. All these things. It's a dark place we live in. Let me encourage you just to pick one of these and and be passionate about seeing this eradicated. Pick one of these things and say, God, how can I be a help in your kingdom to see this not in the world around us? We hunger and thirst because we see these things around us. Some are going to be big and some are going to be smaller. Pick one of these things. For me, it's been picking the idea of racism. I hate racism. I talked about it a few weeks ago. It's not one of those things that I'm glad that happens around me and the world around me. And yet our eyes are being opened up more and more to this idea of of racism where we start to, at best, at best, that we start to um, be skeptical of other people around us. But at worst, we start to become militant towards them. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's a pastor with me. He's an Asian American, and so he, was, he says that every time he walks out with his children, he's fearful because he's not sure what they're going to hear as they're walking around their neighborhood. He knows friends that have actually had people drive by and yell out their window, in their, their window go back home. This is not okay. This is not all right. Or what about Ahmad Aubrey? What about, what about him? And there's a lot to the story, I get it, but you should never be shot. There's so much racism, and actually something that I heard this week that really opened up my eyes, said that, 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 it, that, that these two men were arrested not because they hadn't seen the video, but because we hadn't seen the video yet. And as soon as we saw it, there was a pressure mounting to say, let's look into this deeper. Friends, this is not okay. I think about this every single day with my children. I think about this as my son continues to grow. I think about this, what if that was my son running through my neighborhood, running through my streets? What what if that was him? This is not all right. We have got to pick this up and say injustice is here. And we got to live this out as a church. we got to live this out as a people saying it's not all right. Because silence is letting everybody else think that you think it's okay. That's why we speak out. That's why we stand up. That's why we have these types of conversations. Church. You don't have to be just as passionate about with me with about racism, but there are things you should be passionate about that are completely breaking the heart of God. Stand up for those things.
Dr. King says this. And oh, I love Dr. King. He says, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of, design, of, of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Oh, let those words sink. Here's another word for us out of a Hosea, Hosea chapter 12. I think in a lot of ways, this is a sin here in our own country. Here it is, Hosea chapter 12, 6 and 8. But you must return to your God. Maintain love and justice and wait for your God always. The merchant uses dis dishonest scales and loves to defraud. Ephraim boasts, I am very rich. I have become wealthy with all my wealth, they will not find me any iniquity or sin. Oh, friends, that's a lot of the plight of our American gospel. They can't find anything wrong with us because of my wealth. So we hunger and we thirst for righteousness. We hunger and we thirst for righteousness. Why? Because the third thing, because they will be satisfied. They will be satisfied. See, unsatisfied hunger and thirst leads to starvation, which leads to death. But here Jesus is saying, don't worry, you will be satisfied. The blessing comes in the satisfaction of those who are following after him. See, here in America, we are made to believe that the American dream satisfies. That, that having the perfect family or having a higher pay scale or the right neighborhood with the right little league at the right gym or maybe being at the best schools and shopping at the best stores, we are made to believe, we are made to think that that is going to satisfy and it doesn't. Hear this. That does not satisfy. You've been sold into something to think that it's the right thing, but it's not. And in this time when everything's starting to fall apart around us economically, people's dreams, what they thought their life should look like is now falling apart. Because they've based their whole life on understanding that the American dream is going to satisfy. And now it's just a little bit further out of I can't quite grab it now. Friends, if we, can't be, if we can be satisfied, friends, if we can be satisfied apart from God, then Jesus is unnecessary. See, because Jesus came to bridge the gap between you and me, the sinners, and God, the only one who is righteous. Jesus came to bridge that gap he came that we would taste and see that the Lord is good. And once you've tasted, you'll never want to go back. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Or as Psalm 63 puts it, this is what Psalm 63 verses 1 and 5. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. My soul will be satisfied as, as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. 
Friends, remember I was talking about what you crave is what you'll worship. Now, both of these passages right after it lead to worship. They lead to worship. Lead you to worship, to see a God and to go, oh, I earnestly crave after you. I long for you. My mouth is dry. My, 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 my stomach is, is hurting in pain because I'm, I'm hungry for you. And it leads you to worship. See, without Jesus, all we could ever experience is God's bitter judgment. That's the only portion that's left for you and me. That's the only piece on the plate that's left is the, the bitterness of his judgment. But with Jesus, oh, Oh, it opens it up to a whole savory, a whole savory plate of, of who God is. Oh, would we taste and see that He is Lord and that He's good? I want to I address you as unbelievers really quick. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, what I want to tell you is this: when you are hungry, when you are thirsty, let your hunger point you to Jesus. Let your hunger pains show you Jesus because he says, I am the bread of life. Let your parched mouth, your dry mouth, your, your thirst point you to Jesus because Jesus says, I am the living water. Whoever comes to me and drinks of me will never thirst again. Oh, this is the Jesus that we have. Oh, would you turn to Jesus, maybe even today when you're starting to feel a hunger, and would that remind you of, of a greater hunger that you have in your life? And now for you who are believers, Jesus is more than just a one-course meal. He's going to satisfy you for all of your life. And so I want to address you who are young, you who are, are just barely starting off in life. You, you are a younger, not just a follower of Christ, but you're younger in your experience and everything. Stop looking for new satisfactions. Jesus is the only one that's ever going to satisfy. Don't look around all the different places that maybe could offer you some kind of hope right now. Only Jesus is the one that can satisfy you. Hold on to him. Now, for those of you like me that are in our middle age, you've got to continue to persevere in his satisfaction. Stay strong, keep at it, keep on going. Don't grow cold. You, you've seen him do it before. You can see him do it again. Would he continue to satisfy you? And for those of you who are a little bit older, remember, remember how God has satisfied you. And then share how God has satisfied you with those around you, that you would encourage their walks as well. And know and know that his satisfaction is going to go beyond this life. Because he is preparing for us a table, a great table, a big table. And one day we will be in his presence, feasting on him alone. Oh, there is hope for every single one of us. So would we be hungry and thirsty for righteousness so we can see how God will satisfy us. Let me pray. God, I pray that this morning your word would fill us, that we would be so satisfied with you, that we would have hunger, that we would have thirst for your righteousness. Oh, we invite you to change us this morning. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We love to see you join us in person. You can find more information at parkcommunity.church slash Norwood Park.